Good morning, and I want to welcome you to Wednesdays in the Word. My name is Gary Cooney, and I'm so glad you could be with me today as we seek to unfold God's Word together. If you've been with me, you know we're in the midst of an extended study of the book of Romans, and if this is your first time, I encourage you to go back and listen to some of the previous sessions so that you get in the context of what we're currently studying. We're now in the sixth chapter of the book of Romans, and we're beginning to address the question of now as redeemed believers, new creations in the Lord Jesus Christ, justified before God because of what Christ has done for us. Now as new believers, as growing believers, what is our relationship to sin? How do we overcome in practice, day by day, the reality of sin's temptation in our lives. I'm going to pick up our reading today in verse 9 and read on through verse 14 of chapter 6. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. And so you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let not sin reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. As you know, in our study to this point, we've been talking about how chapter 6 marks a major shift in the book of Romans. The first five chapters pretty much helps us to understand the universal need for the gospel, how all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and therefore all are lost. But we also learned that the power of God unto salvation is found in the gospel. And that gospel tells us about Jesus Christ giving his life for ours. And how when we repent of our rebellion against God and receive Christ, we are justified in him, having peace with God at last. The gospel tells us that our sins can be forgiven through what Christ has done. The gospel tells us that peace with God can be restored, that we have a future and a hope. And the gospel also tells us that we've become new creations in response to repentance and faith in the gospel. Chapter 6 begins to address a very legitimate and important question. If in fact I have peace with God, if in fact I've been made right with God, how do I deal with this nagging problem of the temptation to sin, even if I am saved? Because all of us come to understand, as wonderful as salvation is, and as wonderful as peace with God is, through being justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we still, in practice, day by day, encounter a battlefield. The temptation to sin is still there. And even within our bodies, our bodies are attacking us, seeking to get us to revert to former patterns of life. <laughs> Last time we were looking at verses 6 to 8, where God was reminding us that we are no longer slaves to sin. The fact that the battle is still going on, 
The fact that we encounter temptation to sin and at times even succumb to it does not mean we are slaves to sin any longer, although we were slaves prior to repentance and faith in the gospel. God told us that our old self, the old person we were before salvation, was crucified with Christ, and that God has changed us at the deepest level of our life. He has made us a new self, no longer the old self, a new self. And this new self is the true us, the real us. The old self is still there. It's still evident in the programming of our bodies, of our minds, the habit patterns of our life. It's like a shadow that dogs us, that doesn't want to go away. And yet the reality is that shadow is no longer us. The real us has been changed. The real us is a new creation. Let's continue looking at this issue of the shadow that dogs us and its efforts to get us to revert to the old person we were, sinners and in rebellion against God, instead of the new person that God has made us. Let's examine it. In verses 9 to 14 that I read to you, we encountered this. The task in front of us is that we are called upon to consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to God. At least that's the way the ESV, the English Standard Version, translates those verses. Consider yourself different. Consider yourself changed. Here's the fact. Verse 9 opens up by reminding us that Jesus Christ died and that he then rose again, <laughs> never to die again. As a result of death and resurrection, death no longer has any dominion and power over the Lord Jesus Christ. Faith in that truth about the Lord Jesus Christ is at the heart of the gospel. It's the confirmation the gospel message, in fact, is true and, in fact, can save us, despite the fact all of us are sinners before the Lord. Building on that reality that the Lord Jesus Christ actually did die and then raised to life and death no longer could be a problem. Death no longer could control him. He says, so therefore you consider yourselves in this same way, in this same manner. Consider yourselves no longer slaves to sin. Consider yourselves dead to sin. Consider yourselves alive to God. That's our task. That's our great challenge, to consider. Now, this word consider that we encounter here in verse 10, or verse 11, so also you must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Jesus Christ. This word consider is the Greek word legizomai. Now, what does that word mean? That word means to reckon, to realize to see something as a fact and then rest upon it. What God says is, I want you to reckon, and by the way, that's the King James word, uh, the translation of this Greek word. I want you to consider, I want you to reckon and accept that certain things are true. Think about the gospel. We reckoned, considered, 
that certain facts about the Lord Jesus Christ, his death, his resurrection, his ascension into heaven, the payment for sin, we considered those things and reckoned those things to be true and acted on them, rested in them. And as a result, we were saved and became new creations. So God now says, I want you to be considering in the same way, in the same manner, I want you to consider that other facts have now become true of your life and life as it's unfolding for you now. I, God is saying, I want you to look at some promises that God has given us. I want you to look at these promises of our new life in the Lord Jesus Christ. Then I want you to consider those as true as the gospel upon which you are saved. Are you considering these facts? And are you resting in them with the same orientation that you had with your saving faith in the work of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross? What is it we're to be considering? What is it that we're to be reckoning to be true? What is it that God is calling for us to rest in in the same way we were resting in his diagnosis of us as helpless and hopeless sinners and his message of how he sent his son to die for us on the cross and how through the cross and the resurrection, he confirmed that sin could be forgiven and we could be saved. What are the truths now that in the same way he wants us to reckon to be true, to rest in? because they are true. Well, basically, two issues come into play. Two facts that God says, I want you to consider, I want you to reckon, I want you to see as facts these things, and then build upon them. Take them as givens. Demonstrate your faith in them. First of all, he said, I want you to consider yourselves dead to sin. Reckon yourself as dead to sin. God says, I want you to make the decision to truly see that in point of fact, you really are dead to sin. Meaning, sin no longer aligns with the true you. Remember, we became new creations, new selves over against the old selves. And he says, I want you to understand that sin no longer aligns with the real you. It no longer, therefore, has to reign over you. I want you to take me at my word when I say this is true. So no matter what the battle seems to be that you're fighting against the temptation to sin in your life, that even its seeming power, God says, I want you to understand that prior to salvation, sin, temptation, had an ally at the deepest level of who you were. But you have died. The old you has died. You've become a new creation. And the ally is gone. It no longer can speak to the deepest you. Can you reckon that to be true? Can you accept the validity of that? In the same way you accepted the validity of God's diagnosis of you as a sinner and helpless and hopeless apart from Christ, 
that God, can you consider it true in the same way that God said, I sent my son into this world, the word became flesh to dwell among us so that he could pay for your sin, then create a means for your salvation? It's the same way. God is saying, I want you to express the same confidence and rest in my message, my truth. God says, here's the truth. <laughs> you are dead to sin at the deepest level of your life. I've changed you. We say, well, I, sin seems very much alive. Well, yeah, sin is alive, and we're going to talk more about that. But you have died at the deepest level to that sin. And he says, I want you to consider yourselves dead to sin, and I want you to consider yourselves alive to God in the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to consider yourselves different. I want you to look at yourself and realize while I, my new self is dead in relationship to sin, my new self is alive in relationship to Christ. And now I can walk in newness of life in him. Two things to be considering. Considering that I'm dead at the deepest level of my life now to sin. And secondly, at the deepest level of my life, I'm now alive. You see, the reverse was true before we came to know Christ, before we responded to the gospel the first five chapters of Romans introduced us to. What was true of us before Christ was that we were alive to sin and dead to God, spiritually. Now, because of our salvation, we are alive to God and dead to sin. Do you see the contrasting picture emerging? And God says, I want you to see these are biblical truths, revealed truths from me, and I want you to rest in it and trust in it. I want you to believe, therefore, you're no longer enslaved. You no longer have to sin in your life. Sin tries to make you, convince you that you have to sin, that you have no power not to. And God says, now I want you to understand that's a lie. Things have changed from who you once were. You are that no longer. You are a new creation. You no longer have to sin. You've been set free, and you're now able to walk free. So let me ask you, in light of both of those facts, considering yourself dead to sin, reckoning yourself that way, considering yourselves alive now spiritually to God in Christ Jesus, how are you doing with your reckoning? How are you doing with your considering? Are you accepting with the same authority as gospel truth those two promises from God? Well, God goes on and explains to us how we can know whether in fact we are reckoning and considering these things to be true. So let's look at them because he gives us four proofs that we're reckoning properly. Four truths that we're actually considering and acting on the considering that he is challenging us to do in these verses. Verse 12 is where we find the first of these. He says, therefore, let not sin reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. One of the ways we show that we're reckoning these things to be true, considering them to be true, is to decide to no longer permit sin to reign. It's a heart decision. You and I are called by God 
at the deepest level of our life to decide, no, I want to be holy. I want to be righteous. I'm not going to let sin run the show. I'm not going to let sin control my life. The old man that you once were constantly is trying to convince you that you are still the old man. <laughs> and God says, you're not the old man anymore. You are the new creation. And the question is, who will you believe? The lie of the old self or the promises of God's word? What will you trust? And one of the ways you'll show what you trust is when you decide, because I am new, I am not going to permit sin to reign, which means rule, run the show, steer the wheel. <laughs> I'm not going to let sin do that. I'm not going to. Has that been a decision you've made? And God says, that's one of the proofs to you that you're taking me seriously when I'm talking about considering yourself dead to sin and considering yourself alive to God. And in verse 13, he says, secondly, do not present your members to sin as instruments for righteousness. He says, make this decision, first of all, that you're not going to permit sin to be the ruler. And then secondly, make decisions not to offer your body, your physical body, as a tool for unrighteousness. It's a heart decision inside to pull the control over the members of our body from our sin and from old self. The old self wants to regain control over the body and over your actions and even influence your attitudes. It's a warfare that continues to go on in the life of the redeemed believer. And God says, listen, I don't want you to offer your bodies any longer to that old shadow, the old one that you were. I want you to now choose not to offer your body to fulfill those sinful desires, those sinful inclinations that the old self had. That's where the Romans 7 passage came in. Remember verses 22 and 23 I've read to you before. I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, because I become a new creation, of course. But I see in my members of another law waging war against the law of my mind and trying to make me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. God says, number one, no longer make a decision to no longer let sin run the show. Secondly, closely aligned with that, make the decision to no longer offer your body, your actions, to the, as a tool for sin's unrighteousness to be expressed in your life. Thirdly, decide to present your life, your members, to God for his use, not for sin's use, but God's use. He says, verse 13, present yourselves to God as those who've been brought from death to life and present your members to God as instruments for righteousness. Make a decision, fundamentally, to offer yourself to God, not to sin, not to the old self. Think of how it puts it in Romans 12.1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Make a decision to offer your bodies a sacrifice to God, not to sin. 
present your body. It's an issue of surrender. It's a question of, will my life be God's or the old me? Will God run the show now? Have I given over and sacrificed myself to God? Or am I still offering my life to another? And God says, listen, you've been bought with a price. (laughs) In 1 Corinthians 7.23, you were bought with a price. So the salvation that verse that chapters one to five explain for us and, and the wonder of it all. God says all of that's true and you were bought with this price, the price of the of the shed blood of my son, the offering of his life for yours. Your life's not your own anymore. So decide to present it to me, not to the old man, not to sin. Offer your body to me. Have you made that is a continuing decision day by day? If so, then you're considering and reckoning things properly. Also, he said, offer your members to God as instruments for righteousness. Offer your body as a tool for righteousness. Offer your body to God, yes, as a sacrifice unto him. But then offer your body in practice as a tool. Surrender combined with determination for holy use. A heart decision that puts our minds and our bodies into the hands of the Holy Spirit. A determination that I want to be living with light and for light, not for darkness in the world any longer. Verse 14 warns us, For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. If we are making the reckoning properly if we are acting in the ways that I've just described to you, then sin doesn't have to have dominion over us and control over us. But if we don't do that, if we don't reckon properly, then sin will continue to have dominion over our lives. God says, I don't want sin to have dominion over your life. I've done what has to be done to break its dominion, but you have a responsibility to be reckoning and considering and acting on certain things, certain truths. Are you acting on these truths? The old self can never control sin. It has a dismal record of that. (laughs) It can't overcome its power. That's the reason we needed to be saved. It doesn't matter, even as a believer, how determined and sincere you are, how self-disciplined you are, it didn't work before salvation is a solution to sin. It's not going to work afterwards. We need to accept that the old self is dead and that we are a new creation, a new self, and a new self that God says he will empower so that the outcome in dealing with sin and temptation can be different than it was even when we were sincerely trying prior to salvation. God says, don't believe the old self. Believe me. Sin wants to enslave you again. It wants to control your life. It wants dominion over you. But it doesn't have to be that way. Know that you've become a new creation, but also know that you've been indwelt by the Holy Spirit. We're not only a new creation, but we have new strength because now we can face life as redeemed children of God in a collaborative fashion. A new inner man 
that loves God's word and wants to align with his purposes and a strength we did not possess before. The very strength of God, the indwelling Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, who now says, as we reckon properly, as we present ourselves as living sacrifices before the Lord, offering ourselves to him, we will find strength and power to live that wasn't there before. We will find enablement to contend with sin's temptation. Even the new self that we've become, the new creation that we've become, does not have strength in and of itself. Our strength is a collaborative strength resting in the enablement of God's Holy Spirit. And only surrender brings about that enablement. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit is tied to salvation. But the empowering of the Holy Spirit in the life of the redeemed believer is tied to surrender and faith. Reckoning things to be true that God says to be true. And part of that is reckoning the, the importance of yielding our bodies to him in sacrifice. Choosing the righteous life, not the unrighteous life. So here's the issue. Are you considering yourself dead to sin? Saying the old self, which trying to convince me something different, is wrong. Are you considering yourself alive to God, now as a redeemed child of God? Are you considering that you don't need to be under the dominion of sin? And are you determined to allow the enablement of the Holy Spirit as you walk collaboratively in surrender and obedience so that sin no longer has to reign over your life? All very important questions and issues. And I hope examining them together has helped to clarify them a bit for you. Now we're going to continue in this same vein and Lord willing, picking up our study in verse 15 the next time, we'll begin to discover how victory in this very struggle and battle is emerging in ours as a product of a continuing day-by-day surrender. Join me then, won't you, as we continue to examine God's Word together in the Wednesdays in the Word Ministry. God bless.